60 weeks of the fact that you continue to get up and put your hearts on the line. It's just, this is church, eh? We walk together. Sometimes we limp, but we walk together. Um, man, amen. What a, what a just, yeah, it's a beautiful sense of Jesus here this morning. Um, I hope you're as aware of it as I am. Um, we're going to, as I said this morning, we've got, a, we've got a guest who's going to come and share with us, and um, I'm really excited. Uh, one of the things that I love about church is that we're part of this massive family, and uh, like, family just gets bigger the, the further around the world you go. You keep meeting up this one, if that's all right there. I, I see how it is. It's, he's good. See, he's hurt his back before, so he knows not to do good man. Didn't use his knees at all. That was, or no, you use your knees. Not you. What do you? I don't know what you're supposed to do. I got it up there. You got it up there. Christian family all around the world, and you keep finding these connections along the way, and um, you, you you find that you belong to something that's so much bigger than you could ever thought. Um, you know, there's, there's something about even in your biological family when you you meet a second cousin or something that you didn't know you had or you knew you had but you live far away and you finally sit with them and you go, oh wow, my family just got a little bit bigger. Uh, well, this morning I believe our family's going to get a little bit bigger. Uh, Trevor and Judy are, the, as I said, the directors of Ethnos Missions, uh, which is a, a, a global thing. Uh, they're the directors here in New Zealand. You, they're going. I'm going to let them tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, but they're members of um, Orewa Baptist, uh, and uh, I met the pastors, and um, you'll remember we met uh, Mark and, and Dee from Orewa Baptist at the Hui this year, um, and so you meet them, and you go, oh, our family gets a little bit bigger, and then you meet these, oh, our family gets a little bit bigger, and then you hear about Ethnos, oh, our family gets a little bit bigger. And um, there's just, this, again, this beautiful sense that, that the tapestry that God weaves, of which we all just get to be a single thread, and you might be a long thread or a short thread. You might be a, a bright thread. But when it all comes together, it creates this beautiful picture. And, uh, you know, I'm just so excited uh, for us this morning to be able to see a, a, another part of that tapestry that God is weaving. Uh, I believe that as you see that tapestry, it will inspire you in different ways. Some of you this morning will be removed, will be not removed, that's a, moved, I'm getting my words around. Look, I've been sick, all right? Some of you this week will be moved to respond by what you hear. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you this morning to have a heart open to the tapestry that God is creating. You might look at it and go, it's a corner of my tapestry that doesn't even come into, but it's still part of the picture, right? And it's this beautiful thing when we get to see and appreciate the artwork that God creates with his church. And so, Lord, we pray this morning. We thank you for Trevor. We thank you for Judy. We thank you for Ethnos Missions. We thank you for the kingdom of God, the church that knows no boundaries, that grows, the family that constantly gets bigger, the picture that you create. And Lord, we pray that we would see your master crafted hand, your needle and thread at work uh, in us and in Ethnos and in across the world this morning by what they bless us with and what they share, that we would be blessed and they would be blessed. Uh, and through the time we share this morning, that the world might be blessed. For your name we pray. Amen. Would you put your hands together, please, this morning, and welcome Trevor as he comes. Thank you. Well, thank you for that, Shannon, and good morning. It's... Great to be here with you, and uh, it's a privilege to share something of missions from our perspective as Ethnos New Zealand. 
Now, ethnos is a Greek word that's been translated throughout the New Testament as nations, peoples, Gentiles, <laughs> and heathen. So take your pick. <laughs> it's also where we get our English word ethnic from. For our first 75 years, we were known as New Tribes Mission with the classic look of our founding works. And uh, next, there we go. Kind of looks classic for what we used to be known as. And uh, amongst the jungle tribal people of the world, today they are still our core focus. And you can get a really good idea of what that looks like in our video, God at Work. And we have some cards out the back with the link to that. You can see the link on the screen, but we all forget quickly. So we've got it on a card out there. You can take one of those. We also work amongst many other ethnic people groups that, now think about this, otherwise have no access to the gospel. No access. How much access do we have? Every which way we can think of. So Ethnos New Zealand, we are a small part of what it takes to establish a thriving church for every people. This is all God's work, but he does it in a partnership with us, his people. And so therefore, like all good partnerships, we like to give especially young people, young at heart, an opportunity to explore if this is something that God would have for them. So check out this short video clip. I've come here for a purpose to learn as much as I can about cross-cultural missions. There's a church back at home that are praying for me and supporting me. I spent a lot of this past year just being really anxious and worried about the future and just the uncertainty that's there. But being able to come here and just focus on God's word and to kind of get away from all these distractions that are back in, in America um, has really just been able to give me some perspective and allow me to say, hey, God's got this. I love hearing how these missionaries have gone into these tribal places and the situations they've gone through. And I think what stands out and also is really encouraging is hearing their struggles through it all and hearing how in every single case God has provided. That helps us as students so as long as we put our hope and our strength in Christ that we can go through it as well. I have grown up reading and hearing a lot of stories of cross-cultural missions. What I really enjoyed is interacting with other young people and families and Christians who love God and have a passion for missions. It's been really exciting for me. It's not about me making sure that I do what's most comfortable and what I'm most familiar with, but it's how God would choose to use me. So every day when we go and we practice the pidgin language or we go out to the tribe and it's uncomfortable trying to practice the language, I remember that it's not, it's not about me and that it's difficult, but it's definitely worth it to, get to, to serve God in this way. For me, it's 
I want to serve God, but God is teaching me, okay, it is not about where you want to go, it's about where God wants me to go. I don't have a big role in his plan. I'm just one person he can use, he can use for his plan. It's not about me, it's about him. Who'd like to go to that? It's a fantastic way to find out if cross-cultural missions is something that the Lord has maybe for somebody here. June, July, each year in Papua New Guinea. Come and talk to us afterwards if that, if that uh, interests you. We have some cards about that. And please spread the word. If you know somebody that you know just this would just be the right fit for them. Okay, now did you know that Auckland's Sky Tower is the tallest structure in the Southern Hemisphere? At a height of 328 metres to the tip of its mast, it just beats the Eiffel Tower by four metres. It would have to grow another 88 metres to match what New York's Twin Towers used to be, but it's only a baby compared to Dubai's Burj Khalifa at an incredible 828 metres. So that's two and a half the times the height of ours, and there's ours to scale. I remember watching the excavations for our tower, and from the Victoria Street construction barrier, I could see this massive hole that they were digging. It turns out that there's 16 metres of foundation down into the bedrock below basement level. So that's a huge foundation, and it needs to be for the 200 kilometre hour winds and the magnitude eight earthquakes that it's been designed to withstand. As we all know, foundations are really important. Anyway, for now, let's leave this and let's go to Caesarea Philippi at the time that Jesus walked that dusty road, and let's look at a very different kind of foundation and building. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 to 18 and we'll start straight into verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So this is that section of scripture where Peter makes his great confession of faith and it's also where we find out what Jesus is going to be building. There is a lot in this section and this morning we're just going to skim over the top of it, maybe a little differently because from a missions point of view. And we're going to do that 
from Jesus' statement, I will build my church. So like any building project, we're going to look at this in three areas, the foundation, the construction, and the completion. So let's go straight to the foundation. Jesus, knowing all along that there was confusion about who he really was, like we saw in verse 14, he then gets to the point that he wants to make with his disciples when he says, who do you say I am? And then in verse 16, Peter speaks up, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now when Peter says the Christ, what he's saying is, you are the anointed one, the one promised from the beginning, the one, the Messiah throughout all of the Old Testament prophets. And here he was as the Son ascending on Israel's stage to ascend the throne. This is not just an accession from a dead ancestor. This is through the living God who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Peter got it right. There was many others around him who had some pretty good ideas, and some of them even had a religious sound to them, but they were miles from the truth. And I like how this pastor said it. Some said he was a rabbi. They ignored him. Some called him a prophet. They treated him like the other prophets and didn't do what he said. Some say today he is a good teacher, a religious leader, a great historical figure, a tragic revolutionary. They want to dismiss him, avoid him, bury him, but the trouble is he keeps showing up and asking, who do you say I am? So how about us? Who do we say Jesus is? You see, first off, this determines our eternal destiny. If we don't know who he is and what he's done to save us from our sins, we are cut off from him with eternal consequences. So the starting point of knowing him for who he is and what he's done to deliver us. Then when we do know him, the way that we answer who Jesus is will determine how we live in this life now. If we see him as only just a, as a great teacher, we will apply everything that he teaches. We will not just pick and choose those bits that suit us. If we see him as only just a great miracle worker to give us that next good thing for a more comfortable life, our self-centeredness will cut us out of a lot of what he has for us we'll miss that ultimate reward. It is that ultimate joy in serving him with little reward out ahead. If we see him as the Christ, the son of the living God, we'll be absolutely happy living under his authority as a servant to the greatest king, filling some role as a servant making disciples wherever we happen to be. The disciples grew to understand that Jesus is God in the flesh. They saw his divinity shine through in the glory of the transfiguration, in the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and in his testimony that he existed before Abraham. But at the same time, his complete humanity is evident, like when he rebukes Peter, when he angrily cleared the temple, when he weeps at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, 
See, he's fully God and he's fully human. And that is a fact that is foundational to our faith. It's a sure foundation as we build against those winds of false doctrine, as we withstand those earthquakes of compromise. This is a sure foundation that originates from outside of us, just like it did for Peter. And Jesus said it this way in verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. See, he didn't get this from man. He didn't get it from a book. And guess what? He didn't get it from Google. <laughs> Jesus himself said in John 6, 65, No one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And that applies to us two millennia on. We are far removed from the time that Jesus walked among the disciples, and yet we are those that he refers to in his conversation that he had with Thomas. You'll recall that he said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John 20, 29. So then, because of understanding who Jesus is and how that's revealed to us is so foundational to our faith, look what Jesus says next to Peter in verse 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So here we have the first mention of the church, which is translated from ecclesia, which means the outcalled, the called out ones into Jesus' representative body here on earth. And like a building, this has to be set on the correct foundation. Otherwise, it ends up looking more like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So to avoid something like this, Jesus is very particular about the foundation on which he will build his church. It's on this rock. This rock-solid truth of Peter's statement that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus himself is this foundation. And in the Greek, he makes this really clear, and he does it on a play on words. He uses Peter's Greek name Petros, which means a small stone, a stone for throwing. It's a small fragment of a much larger piece. And then he draws out against Petra, which means a large stone or rock, a cliff or a bedrock, which can never be moved. See, Christ is that foundation. That applies to Peter. That applies to us. That applies to any of the churches that our ethnos church planters have any part in. So once the Sky Tower Foundation was laid, then the construction began. Each new level is built on the previous. And this also happens for us. When something is grasped, then more can be added on top of each other. For Peter, because he understood who Jesus was, he was now ready to have the cross revealed to him in the verses that follow our text. And this would continue to be built on until Jesus ascended to the Father. By that time, the cross was no longer a mystery, but was fully understood and revealed as the only way to the Father. Few more verses after that, Jesus goes on to teach about servanthood, true servanthood, 
and sacrifice. And then into the next chapter, three of them see a small glimpse of Jesus when he's transfigured on the mountain. A small glimpse of his future glory at that time. See, this is a level by level upward growth and the Holy Spirit always has more that he wants to put into us. But we have to be willing to be learners, don't we? Second thing in this Petros, Petra payoff here is something of outward construction. Jesus makes it very clear that Peter will become instrumental in establishing the church. And throughout the New Testament, we see that Christ builds his church through his apostles, through their teachings, and through their writings. So in effect, this is a privileged partnership with his people. With our Sky Tower, was it just one man or one company who built this? No way. There was hundreds on site. Then there was all of the sub-trades. There was all this supply and service companies. There was thousands of people. And this is the idea of partnership that the Lord uses in building his church. And we see this especially in missions. Think about it. This is an amazing truth that the creator of the universe, the architect and builder of the church, would use human help in this task, and yet that is exactly what he does. As weak and insignificant as we are, he has a part for every one of us. Like Hudson Taylor said, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. The local church is tasked for outward construction by its members through outreach and witnessing, and then all that it takes to support that. In missions, the outward construction of his church is really quite diverse. It begins with our missionaries having to learn at least one language, often two, and then many times are the first ones to put that language into written form in history. Literacy teachers who will prepare the people to read and write so that as the scriptures are translated for them, they can begin to read it and study it for themselves. The cross-cultural Bible teacher who brings the gospel message clearly to avoid syncretism. When Judy and I served in the Philippines, you can see our village there, because we were so far out in the jungle, we relied on others who would buy our supplies. We relied on pilots who would bring them into us, along with things like building materials for projects, medical supplies for the people, sometimes even extra food for them if there was a bad harvest. We relied on IT guys to keep our computers running up to date in very difficult conditions. Guest house managers for a clean, affordable place to stay when we came out to town. Or like um, when we brought tribal people out to get them treatment in the hospital. You can see Judy there with Jusselin when we stayed in the city for a number of weeks so that her daughter Angelina could get some eye surgery to prevent her going blind like her two older sisters. 
It's a very happy day for her and a relief for her mum when that was all done. We relied on administrators, administration people to keep us legally in country with visas and so on. Bookkeepers to, keep, to make sure that our support reached us and didn't get muddled among other missionaries on field. We saw how God sent us funds through local churches here in New Zealand and individuals. We saw how God raised up people who seriously prayed for us, our co-workers and the people we lived and served amongst. Those last two, prayers and supporters, based right here at home, but equally a part of God's team See, whatever way we are involved in missions, or if it's within the local church, if it's looking to share Jesus or disciple his people, whether it's frontline or background, it's in a partnership with him as he builds his church. So the question for us this morning is, what are we building into? After all, we are being built up so that we will build out. And that always starts first in the home, local context. The Lord will draw from that for what he's doing among the nations. And of course, Ethnos New Zealand is very happy to facilitate more co-workers into what the Lord is constructing globally. Now lastly, let's have a look at something of the completion of his church. In any building project... It's the anticipation of completion is what drives those who are involved. And it's obviously what excites any onlookers. Certainly the opening day of the Sky Tower had long been anticipated. The day finally arrived through many challenges and no doubt many setbacks along the way. Any injuries or disputes that happened during construction, they did not stop the tower reaching its completion. And so too with the church that Jesus is building. It was planned for back in eternity past. And as Jesus unrolls the blueprint before his disciples, he makes this assurance. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Common interpretation of this is the gates of Hades are figurative for the power of Satan and his forces, the powers of hell that are opposed to anything that God is doing. But then since Jesus has defeated Satan, those powers cannot prevail against the building of the church. A number of our English Bible translations use the word hell for the Greek Hades. So that helps to drive us to that conclusion. And there's some good theology there. But there is a wee problem with that interpretation. Hell is not a good in translation for Hades. Hades is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Sheol. And they both always mean the grave, the unseen place of the dead. Never Satan's place of power. In the context of a few verses later, Jesus is foretelling his death and resurrection, and that is the key for us to understand that even though all of us who make up the church have to go through those gates of death, those gates won't hold us. Jesus' own resurrection was shortly to burst them wide open, reversing that hold on death. 
And because of that, the time will come, like him, where we will have these old bodies of ours raised from the dead to be reunited with him in new glorified bodies. And if you're older than Shannon, you say amen to that. <laughs> as encouraging as that all is, though, we do still face opposition from Satan. And Ephesians six twelve plainly tells us, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Notice that? In the heavenly places or the spiritual realms, Satan is very active in all manner of attacks against the church with some brutal persecutions, especially overseas, but he cannot overcome the church because it's built firmly on Jesus and on the power of his resurrection. Isn't that a fantastic thought? This is a guaranteed completion that Revelation 7-9 describes as a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, <coughs> tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. How good is that going to be? Can you imagine the gratitude of the multitude for Jesus' sacrifice in our place? Can you imagine the delight, Jesus' delight, at his full body of believers there with him in person for the rest of eternity? And get this, outside of a sin environment. How good is that going to be? All because of what he has accomplished as he has been building his church. Similar for us with the completion of the Sky Tower, if we choose to, we can enjoy a view of Auckland while we dine high above the city. Or if we're game enough, we can even sky jump off it. Even if we had no contribution in any way to any part of its construction. So how much more is the excitement of completion if any of us are apart with Christ as he builds his church? whether that's local or whether it's overseas in missions. Judy and I were privileged to be a small, stone-sized part in all that it took to help our co-workers get the Agusan Manobo New Testament to print. The joy and fulfilment that we found in that is what I hear many old retired missionaries say, I wish we were young enough to do it again. And now that I'm getting old, I'm saying, I wish I was young enough to do it again. God has used countless people throughout, through um, Ethnos New Zealand and our global partners all around the world who have a heart for a thriving church for every people. <laughs> Collectively, we've had the privilege of seeing more than 1,200 churches planted among more than 260 people groups. Completed churches that look something like the Tanga Undead Church that New Zealanders Jason and Shirley Birkin have invested into in the Philippines since 1983. They're still there. They have translated the New Testament. Today, they are translating the Old Testament. This is long-term work. 
A few more recent examples for you. Here's the Manjui people of Paraguay receiving their New Testament. Here's the dedication of the Dom New Testament in Papua New Guinea. The Yao people of Mozambique, when they first heard the gospel in their language. The infant Iski church in Papua New Guinea with their first baptisms, all 83 of them on that first time. The Wanga Church of Indonesia that is now sending out indigenous missionaries to three different language groups from their own. The Guahabu people of Colombia who continued to faithfully meet even though guerrilla activity forced them out of their village. There's many other examples I could tell you of how Jesus is bringing his church to completion. So how about us? Are we personally at completion stage yet? Now we know that that won't happen until glory. But as far as the lessons that the Lord has for us, are we allowing him to grow us? Are we some part of some aspect of completion as Jesus builds his church? You know, one day there's only going to be one thing left for any of us to show for our life on earth. And it's going to be a tombstone. Isn't that exciting to think about? It'll have our name. It'll have our birth date. It'll have our date of death. Maybe it will have a Bible verse. And maybe if people like us, they might say something nice about us. But otherwise, that's it. Birth date, death date, that little dash in between. And that little dash is all that shows for our entire life on planet Earth. So what's going to be behind our quick dash through life? So let's wrap up here. Jesus said, I will build my church. And we saw that this is squarely set on the rock-solid foundation of who he is and what he's done for our entry into it. Construction is the process for his followers, us, as we grow to the point where we are invited to become co-workers with him as he builds his church. And then the completion is guaranteed because no matter what happens in the process, nothing can overcome it. So whatever part God may have us serving in today, let us be encouraged. We are on the winning side. And if we are considering something new that God may have for us, let's go home with the fact that he will use any of us who are willing to be with him as, a, as he builds his church. Thank you for having us here this morning. And uh, thank you, Shannon. You see what I mean? It's like your family just gets a little bigger. You get to see some pictures. You get to hear some stories and go, God's up to something. And it's so much more than just our little pew, our little row, our little seat, our little church, our little nation. But God is doing something in the renewing of the face of the earth and invites us and our small stone, our small Petros, to be a part of that. And I just think it's beautiful. 
And so here's what I want you to do. Um, Trevor, Judy, I want to thank you so much for coming this morning, for sharing with us, um, for telling us uh, about what it is that your, your team is up to. Um, and we hope that you've been blessed by your time here as well. And so I want to go back to that question that Trevor asked. What are you building into? What are you building into? And, um, you know, there's all sorts of things that are going on, all sorts of different things that are, that are happening in the world, so many different opportunities we can partner with. Uh, but I want you to have a think this morning about this one. And I want, to ta- I want you to take just 15 to 20 seconds to just pray and just ask God this. God, what are you calling my response to be for Ethnos New Zealand this morning? And here's what I promise you. He will not say nothing, don't worry about it. I've never once, in all my time, whether it's been a missions organization and God's up to all sorts of other, a bunch of things, Christians, whenever I'm talking with someone, if I stop and I pray and I go, God, what would you like my response to be to that person? God never goes, ah, just ignore it. Never, never, not once in my Christian journey. Sometimes it's been, hey, I want you to financially partner with that. Sometimes it's, I want you to pray for that. Sometimes it's, I want you to get that person in and have them speak to the church. Sometimes it's, you know what, I want you to tell someone else about that ministry because there's someone that you know that that's going to really benefit them. So I want you to just in 15 seconds just to say, God, how would you call me to respond to the mission of Ethnos this morning? And then listen to what he might prompt you. It might surprise you. Maybe he wants you to go on one of those those retreats, one of those um, training courses in June, July in Papua New Guinea to actually look and see maybe this is something God's calling you to. Or maybe there's someone on your heart that you go, I think God wants me to share this with them. Lord, would you speak to us now? How would you like us to respond individually this morning to the opportunity that you have put in front of us so that we might build into your church? Lord, would you give us the courage to respond in the way that you call us? Amen? Amen. Simple prayer. Here's what we're going to do. Our our service this morning is is coming to a close, the formal part of it at any rate. Uh, Tea and coffee is served in the other building. If you would like prayer for anything this morning, uh, you are most welcome to come uh, this area at the front. Someone will pray with you, um, whether that's for, for whatever, whether that's something that's been prompted this morning or otherwise. Uh, Trevor and Judy are going to be here for a little bit longer. If you'd like to chat to them to get some more information, um, I wonder even if you were to hang around by the information desk uh, there, and that way they'll know where to find you. Um, if you would like to to partner financially uh, with what this couple are doing and what what Ethnos New Zealand are doing. Uh, then you can do that in several ways. Um, there's an FPOS machine in the foyer, or if you've got cash, uh, and then in the red post box. Please just make sure that it is marked uh, specifically towards Ethnos, and we will make sure that that gets passed on as well. Um, otherwise, may you walk out of here living a different life this morning because you know what your life is built on. That Jesus is the Son of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And uh, may you go and build into that world uh, the kingdom of God that he is building. Amen.
Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful